The Mishnah's discussion continues concerning the laws of a Chabura, the group in which one needs to eat his Korban Pesach with, and the halacha is that one can only be part of one Chabura. And as we learned in the previous couple of Mishnayas, once he's part of that Chabura, he has to stay with them and eat the Korban Pesach with them for the duration of the entire meal. He's not allowed to go and join another group. And when it comes to designating oneself as part of a group, one doesn't necessarily have to do that himself. He could send a messenger to do it for him. In certain scenarios, somebody else would do it for him automatically. For example, in our mission, the discussion is a woman who is married to a particular person, and the assumption is that a woman assumes that her husband will slaughter Karim Pesach on her behalf as well. Or if he joins a group, then the assumption is made that he also designates his wife as being part of that group. It follows, therefore, that you can have a situation where two different people might have designated a particular person to be part of their group. For example, in the case we just mentioned of the woman, it could be that her father also designated her to be part of his group. Now, she can't be part of both groups, so the halach is that she is part of the group which we assume she would want to be part of. As well as that, it has to be that she has that intention at the time that the Koran Pesach is slaughtered. It's not enough that she has no idea about it, that somebody else is slaughtering it for her, and then when you tell her later on, then she is happy with it. That's not enough, because that is known as a concept of Breira, which is when, based on something which happens later on, we judge a particular act which happened earlier on, based on what happened later on. So for example, in this case, she only had the intention to be part of the group later on, and at least according to this Mishnah, there is a rule that in Breira, we cannot use a later on intention, or something which occurs later on, to judge the status of something earlier on. Be as it may, says the Mishnah, a woman during the time that she is in the house of her husband, meaning once she is fully married, and she generally eats with her husband for Yontav, so Shochat Aleha Baila, if her husband slaughtered a Korban Pesach on her behalf, Vishochat Aleha Viha, and her father also slaughtered a Korban Pesach on her behalf, they both appointed her to be part of their group, she should eat from the Korban Pesach of her husband, because it is assumed that that is her intention. Now what happens if there was a minhaga custom in many places that the first yomtev after a woman got married, she would eat with the father? Perhaps her husband would also join her, but that was the custom. So in that case, If she went to spend the first yomtev after her marriage, to spend it with in the house of her father, so in a regular case you would assume that her intention is certainly to be appointed as part of the father's group. However, we're discussing a case where she doesn't visit her father so often, and so in this case, we're, we're concerned that perhaps her intention would be actually to be part of the husband's Korban Pesach. And so because of that, if if both her father and her husband slaughtered a Korban Pesach on her behalf, so which group is she part of? She can eat in whichever place she desires. And once again, it must be that she had the intention and she had that desire at the time of the slaughtering. Already then, it was clear to her that she would prefer to be in her husband's group, let's say, or her father's group, so that way you do not run into problems of Breira, and she would, part, she would be part of the group which she wishes to be part of. Mishnah gives a similar example. An orphan whose guardians slaughtered a Korban Pesach for him. Let's say an orphan has a few people who look after his property. He's young, and his father died when he was young. So he's not yet able to look after all of his possessions and property by himself. So there's a few people who do it for him. And these apotrops and these guardians who look over after his property, they are able to slaughter a Korban Pesach on behalf of the orphan. They have that power, just like a father has the power to do so 
for his young children, even without their permission at all. And in this case, even if they don't know about it at the time of slaughtering, the guardian or the father would still be able to do so, since they have full rights over the child, or in this case, over the orphan. So if more than one of the guardians slaughtered a Korn Pesach for him, so he can't be part of both of the groups, and therefore Yechel and Kem he can eat in the place which he desires, he can choose which group to be part of, and that designation will be the valid one. Now what happens if Ever Shoshne Shutfin, if somebody is a slave, a non-Jewish slave, owned by two different people, two partners? The halacha is that a non-Jewish slave, an Ever Kanani, is obligated to keep all of the mitzvahs that a woman is obligated to keep. So just like a woman, he is obligated to eat the Korim Pesach. Now if he is owned by two different people together, so each one owns half of him, and they share the rights to the slave, which means that one of the owners is not able to make him part of their group without the permission of the other owner, because they both have rights over the slave. So if they both slaughtered a Korim Pesach for him, without either of them giving the rights to the other one to do so, he may not eat from either of their Korim Pesachs, Unless we know for sure that the, either one doesn't mind if the other master, if the other owner, will make him part of his group. And last case of the Mishnah, If somebody is half a slave, half a non-Jewish slave, and half a free man. For example, if he was owned by two different owners, like in the previous case, and then one of them freed him. So now he's half a free man and half a slave. So when the owner slaughters his Korm Pesach and designates his Korm Pesach, for all of his family and all of his household. Since the slave is only half owned by him, and the other half of the person is a free man, we assume that the intention of the owner, or the half owner, is not to designate the slave as part of his group, because he's already half a free man. And so because of that, he cannot automatically eat from the Pesach of his owner, unless the owner did explicitly have the intention to include the slave in his designation. Mr. Beis, so I'm the one who says to his slave, Go out and slaughter a Korm Pesach for me. Now the halach is, as we learned earlier on in the Masechta, a Korm Pesach can come from either a sheep or a goat. Now if the owner did not specify which type of animal he wants for his Korm Pesach, then even if in general he always, let's say, uses a sheep, since in this case he did not designate and he didn't tell the slave which exact animal he wants, it is assumed that he doesn't really mind, and therefore Shochat Gedi, if the slave went and slaughtered a goat, Yechal, the owner can eat from that goat, is considered a valid designation, he did exactly what the owner wanted, and similarly Shochat Tole, if he slaughtered a sheep, Yechal, the owner can also eat from there because it's totally valid. Now what happens if Shochat Gedi Tole, if he slaughtered both a goat and a sheep, and he did it both for his owner? So again, the owner can't be part of both animals. So the truth is, the Gemara explains that in a regular case like this, both animals would be invalid and they would need to be burnt. Reason being that we assume that he has the intention to wait and see which, which animal the slave will bring and slaughter, and he has the intention to decide based on that which one he will use. But over here we run into the problem of Breyer again, that he's making a decision later on and we'll need to judge that at the time of slaughtering, that was the case, because it has to be slaughtered for the sake of whatever intention he has later on. And so in a case like that, both animals would be invalid. However, our Mishnah, the Gemara explains, is talking about a king, for example, who is so wealthy and he can eat any meat which he really likes, which means that he's not actually so particular about which animal it's going to be. Barely costs him anything, and so in that case, Yochum and Arishain, he would eat from the first animal which was slaughtered, 
Because it's assumed that he doesn't mind which animal it's going to be. So whatever happens, the first one is valid, and that designation works. And of course, the second one won't be valid because the king is already designated on a different animal. Now, what happens if if the slave forgot what his owner told him to do? Meaning, the owner did specify which animal to slaughter, but the slave forgot whether it was a goat or a sheep. What should he do about it? He should slaughter both a sheep and a goat. The Yomaran say, in Gdi Omari Rabbi, if my owner told me to slaughter a goat, then Gdi Shaloi, the goat is for him, for his carbon pesach, and I'm slaughtering it on his behalf, the Tola Shali, and the sheep is mine for my own carbon pesach. The Tola Omari Rabbi, but if my owner told me to slaughter a sheep for him, then Tola Shaloi, the sheep I'm slaughtering now will be for his carbon pesach, or Gdi Shali, and the goat will be my carbon pesach. Now the Gemara explains, and we've got a bit of a problem here, because there is a rule. But whatever a, a slave owns, his owner automatically owns. So when he buys the sheep and the goat, really it already belongs to the owner. So he can't start saying that the goat is mine and my carbon pesach, because he can't own anything individually separate from the owner. However, the Gemara explains there is a way for him to own something, because if somebody else gives him something, on condition that the owner of the slave has no rights over it. So in that case, the slave would be able to have that animal, in which case the Mishnah's law would apply. Now what happens if once he has those two animals, he's got the goat and the sheep, one of them is his, one of them is his master's, he's not sure which one, and he reaches his owner once more, and his owner also forgot what he told him. So they both know that the owner told him a specific animal, but they both forgot what the animal was. So both of these animals are definitely valid, we just don't know which one is the owner's and which one is the slave's which means that neither of them can eat it, so you're going to have to allow it to be left there until after midnight on the first night of Pesach, at which point it will become noisar, leftover carbon, and then it will be burnt not on Yom Tov, because carbonis cannot be burnt on Yom Tov, not for the sake of eating, however, on the day afterwards, on the 16th day of Nisan, they would both go out to the place where they would burn the carbonis. Now, in general, if somebody fails to bring a Korban Pesach on the first Pesach, on the 15th of Nisan, then he is obligated to bring a Korban Pesach a month later on the 15th of Iyar. However, in this case of Turmanasis Pesach Sheini, they are exempt from bringing a Korban Pesach a month later on Pesach Sheini. Why? Because they both bought a Korban Pesach. Both of the Korbanos were totally valid. They just weren't able to eat it out of a lack of knowledge, but since both of the Korbanos were totally valid, they are exempt from bringing another one on Pesach Sheini. Mishnah Gimel. We're going to have another case here where it seems to be there's a problem of Breira, where something which happens later on decides the status of an earlier action. But nevertheless, how the Gemara explains it, there is no problem of Breira. Ha'ima Levonov, one who tells his sons, Harini Shirtza Pesach, I am going to slaughter the Korm Pesach, Al Nishi Yalamikem Rishon Yerushalayim, on behalf of whichever son comes up and reaches Yerushalayim first, says the Mishnah, Kivin Shehirin Sarishon Rosh Yerushalayim. As soon as the first one of the sons enters with his head and his majority of his body into Yerushalayim, so he's now considered to have entered Yerushalayim, he merits and acquires his portion, and he also acquires it on behalf of all of his brothers with him. And the Gemara explains that all the father was trying to do was to get them to hurry up and to try and encourage them to reach Yerushalayim as soon as possible. But really, he slaughtered it on behalf of all of the sons. He just said that one of you needs to at least reach here. So as soon as, them, as one of the brothers does reach there, all of the brothers are considered to be designated on this one Karim Pesach, and they would eat it together on the night of Pesach. 
Now, up until which stage can one be part of? Can one make oneself part of a group, part of a chabura? So the Mishnah says, One can always designate himself and appoint himself as part of another group. And a Korban Pesach can be split with lots and lots of people up until what stage? Only up until the stage where there will be a Kazayas, the size of an olive, for each member of the group. The obligation of eating a Korban Pesach means you need to eat at least a Kazayas. Alright, and one can appoint himself as part of a group. And one can also pull away from a group and say that I'm no longer part of this group, I'm going to be part of a different group. One can do that until the Korban Pesach is slaughtered. But once it's slaughtered, so he's now definitely part of that group, and the Koran Pesach was slaughtered on behalf of him. So he can't pull out of the group, and it also can't add anyone else onto the group, because it wasn't slaughtered on behalf of anybody else. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon says, I agree with you, the Tanakama, that you can only add people up until it's slaughtered. But I hold that one who is part of the group can pull out of the group until the stage where the blood of the Koran Pesach is, is thrown onto the Mizbeach, because that is really the completion of the main service of the Korban Pesach, and so only after that point would it be too late to pull out of that group. Mishnah Dalit, what happens if you have, let's say, 10 people who are part of one Chabura for a Korban Pesach, and they decide between themselves that they're only going to have 10 people, so each person is going to be able to have a tenth of the animal. But then one of those people in the group appointed and designated the animal to be for other people as well. Let's say he added another, another two people to the group. So now there's 12 people in the group, the question is, does that mean that everybody is now going to get a smaller portion? So says the Mishnah, When he appoints other people with him in his portion. So he's got a portion in the Koran Pesach, and he appoints other people to be part of that portion, part of that Koran Pesach. Says the Mishnah, The other members of the group have permission. They are able to give that person his portion, meaning only one-tenth of the animal, and each of the other members will also get only will get a tenth, the full amount which they were going to get at the beginning. And that person who added people will eat from his own Korm Pesach, and he can share that with the other two people who he added. But those two people are not going to make it that everybody else has less of the Korm Pesach, because the person who added them had no right to do so, really. He only had right to do so within his own portion. So he can now split his portion into three, and give them Korm Pesach meat from his own portion. But he's not able to take away from everybody else, and so it, it emerges that he would eat from his own Korm Pesach, and he would sort of have his own group together with these two other people, and all of the other people who are part of the original group would eat from their own Korm Pesach, and they would have the full tenth of the animal.